Hello everyone, my name is Zach, and a wise man once said, I do all to fall in love with a girl like you, cause you can't run, you can't hide, you and me gonna touch the sky. That was Lou Vega, 1999. And my name is Casey, and I, 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 will always love you. And you're listening to Silly Lloyd Jam, aka... 2020, the, the worst, worst year, year in movies. movies. Today is our Valentine's Day episode. Happy Valentine's Day weekend, everybody. Happy Valentine's Day weekend. Uh, and before we get started talking about our movie, uh, Zach, what are your thoughts on Valentine's Day? Oh, I love it. Who doesn't love it? It's just a whole holiday dedicated to love. And what's not to like about it? Well, I think there are a lot of people who don't like Valentine's Day. You know, people say it makes single people feel bad. Other mm -hmm. people say it's a very commercial holiday that's oh, all yeah. about buying things. Sure, sure. Um, I like it, uh, but I also am just the kind of person who likes, you know, having r excuses to get together with people and have it be a special occasion. Well, this is a weird year for that. True, true. Um, but, you know... It's always nice. It's nice to be nice. I mm -hmm. am the kind of kid who would always give little cards to everybody in his class. Mm -hmm. So it's just something about universal love that I always thought was a great thing about Valentine's Day. One of my favorite Valentine's Days was in college. I went to Applebee's with four of my friends. While we were there, these Valentine's Day carolers came in, and they were just like Christmas carolers, except they were singing Valentine's Day songs that I had never heard before in my life. They came in, <laughs> sang a song, and then left. And it was very, very bizarre, but very memorable, and I, I, I cherish that memory. Do you remember how the song went in any way? Nope. I, I wish I had been recording it. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite Valentine's Day was Valentine's Day 2018, when I made a little kind of video about being single in Disney World when I used to work at Disney World. Mm -hmm. I just traveled all throughout the parks to go on the single rider lines, which is mm -hmm. a different queue meant for singular people to get on to a ride quicker. They were Rocket Roller Coaster, Expedition Everest, and Test Track at Epcot. And I made a nice little video set to September by Earth, Wind, and Fire, and a lot of people liked it. Yeah, I mean, maybe all of you listeners don't know this, but Zach is actually a viral celebrity. No, he no, I'm not. He has a big talent for making videos that go viral, including the one he's discussing. How many views do you think that video ended up with total across all platforms? Across all platforms, um, like 500,000, something like that. I think it was more. I think one time I saw it on like Facebook, like when you reshared it and it had like something like a million views just on there. I'm like, Orson Welles, I'll make something great like every four or three years and then just go into hiding. One time Zach made this horrifying video in college before I knew him uh, and it was a recreation of a scene from Finding Nemo. He made this with his friends and it is horrifying but it brilliant also and it actually ended up being on Ellen. Like someone at Ellen found the video and then put it on TV. <laughs> I think the weirder thing in that story is that I made the video, um, I'm gonna guess like circa February 2017, and, or no, 2016, and it wasn't until like October 2017 that Ellen mm -hmm. aired it. So I already, I had already like put it behind me, it was in the past. 
I think the weirder part of the video is that I had seen it, or at least I'd seen like clips and photos of it before I met you. Like when you showed it to a group of us, I was like, I have seen this imagery before <laughs> in my nightmares, maybe, but no, definitely on the internet. No, it's horrifying. It's horrifying. I'm very proud of it, you should, but it's uh, scary. <laughs> well, maybe we'll link it somewhere or not. <laughs> we don't want to po- uh, get your brains all mixed up in that either. But anyway, what I'm saying is Zach's a popular cookie. Let's go ahead and start get started talking about our movie for the day. Uh, since it's Valentine's Day weekend, we thought we would discuss something that has a little bit of romance in it. I just um, want you to know, listeners, that I really, really pushed for us to talk about Sonic the Hedgehog. But this is a great uh, choice for Valentine's Day. We will get to Sonic the Hedgehog eventually. <laughs> yeah, it takes place in your home state. It, it does take place in Montana. Um... That's all I'll say about that for now. I'm sure I will go off on a whole, you know, rant when we're actually discussing it. So today we're going to be talking about the movie Emma, which came out last year. It is a Jane Austen adaptation uh, from the you know novel of the same name. Emma is about a 21-year-old girl named Emma Woodhouse, uh, who is, she lives in a big house with her father. She's the one in charge of the house. Um, and she also fancies herself a matchmaker. So the movie starts out with her um, longtime friend and companion, and also kind of like the woman who raised her, Miss Taylor, uh, is about to go get married, and she becomes Mrs. Weston. And so Emma kind of thinks that she's set uh, Mrs. Weston up with Mr. Weston and because of that she has started to fancy herself as a matchmaker So she spends a lot of the rest of the movie um, Helping out this young girl named Harriet um, who they're around the same age helping Harriet find her match um, And Harriet's a very naive girl and along the way there's a lot of other things going on moments where Emma is humbled um, there's another guy. Uh, there's also a very colorful cast of characters with family friend Mr. Knightley, who's always around. Her father, Mr. Woodhouse, who's a hypochondriac, played by Bill Nye. Um, Harriet's there. Miss Bates, who is a very socially awkward woman. Um, very wide cast of characters. So that's what the movie's about. It's very funny, very colorful, well done. We talked briefly about Emma, actually, in our top 10 videos of 2020. You had this very high on your list. I had mm-hmm. it kind of near the bottom of my top 10, but it's still a wonderful, yeah. wonderful movie. Um, mm-hmm. I, uh, I don't remember exactly what we said in it, but mm-hmm. if we repeat ourselves, please forgive us. All in all, um, it's a very, very great modern take on... Um, I'm sure the classic story. I've never read it because I don't know how to read, but I have Zach seen the 1990. <laughs> I have seen the 1990s movie Clueless with mm-hmm. Alicia Silverstone. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's a. I thought that was great. It, mm-hmm. It's a. We before we recorded this, I actually began to watch a little bit of Clueless, and there are a lot of scenes verbatim that are just translated very well. However, the way that the 2020 film has a way of executing a lot of the scenes Mm -hmm. not even though they are speaking in an old dialect it still feels very modern and i never feel lost because that's sometimes the disconnect i have with movies like this or Mm -hmm. 
um, forms of entertainment like Downton Abbey or The Crown or Bridgerton. It's This genre isn't quite my... Th- Maybe it's not a genre, but it's just a style. The style ain't my thing all the time, but I like the way Emma did it. I thought it was delightful and charming and endearing. Yes, I love a good English period piece. Um, I think... You know, I I guess we're talking about Clueless, and Clueless is an adaptation of Emma, you know, pretty directly, but it does take place in the 90s. Um, Meanwhile, Emma, this movie that we're talking about right now, it takes place in, you know, 1800s England. Um, It is not, uh, it's not a modern, like... Or, yeah, they're not talking. Does, they're not talking in modern pl- slang. Yeah, no, it's or and it's also not like Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, where they just take the dialogue and put it into twenty twenty. No, it's just it, it's in a lot of ways a very traditional adaptation of a Jane Austen novel, but also there is so much flair to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I did mention this in our top ten movies of twenty twenty podcast, but I'll say this again: the movie is so visually appealing. It is like a cake that I want to eat. Yeah, there are a lot of great um, shades of blue and pink that are just very pleasing to the eye. Mm-hmm. A lot of the locations that the characters are sitting and talking around. Uh, I think specifically whenever um, the characters meet. Ooh. It's uh, the new Elton, the new Elton wife, and Mrs. Just, Elton, Mrs. Yeah. Elton, and yeah. they're eating cakes or treats, and mm-hmm. that pink room is just so, like, really gorgeous looking, mm-hmm. and it's just, it feels so aesthetically pleasing. The set design is gorgeous. The costumes are also beautiful, especially mm-hmm. the ones that Emma wears. She wears a lot of really bright colors. There's a lot of really bright colors in this movie. The but movie... it's never, like, too much. It never feels no, overboard. No. The movie has a lot of visual flair, and I think a lot of that can be contributed to the fact that Autumn DeWilde, the director, or her background is in music videos. She mm-hmm. has directed a lot of music videos, and I think that really comes through in the style. Um, but also, we're talking about a lot about the visual style, and I think sometimes when movies have, like, a lot of, you know, visual spectacle behind them, that maybe the story will somehow get lost, or there won't be, like, a lot of emotional elements to it. Um, but that's not the case with this movie. I think that the story is really great. I think it's very funny. I, I can't emphasize this enough. This is a really funny movie. <laughs> a lot of the characters behave very strangely. Um, the act, there's a lot of the acting, especially from the supporting cast, they are making some choices, you know, and they're very funny choices. In this time of, of man's great innocence. Innocence? Innocence. Um, and also, but when there are emotional moments, especially towards the end, those really hit you. Uh Uh-huh. Nothing that's too sad, but it's just, Mm -hmm. it's striking because I think the moment that we're both thinking of is whenever they're all at a picnic and then the main character, Emma, says something that's very, very rude and it, you literally feel the film come to a halt and you feel all the emotions just come up out of nowhere, out of this form of tension and awkwardness. Mm that is is it wasn't shown anywhere in the movie prior and it's very very well done as the character bella in the twilight companion novel midnight sun once said emma is jane austen's most selfish shallow character <laughs> um <laughs> wow what a what a way to drop your midnight sun knowledge I love reading. Anyway, there and there is some truth to that. This is Emma is one of her novels that is almost I wouldn't say it's a total straightforward comedy, but it is one of her more lighthearted books. Um, and 
Emma is a character that even Jane Austen, when she was writing it, was like, I'm going to make a character that is probably not going to be liked by anyone but me. <laughs> you sound like the Miss, sh the, the Sue, the Glee meme. You sound like the Glee meme whenever she's like, I am going to create a character. So has that tweet been done yet? <laughs> I'm going to create a character that is so unlikable except by me. And then you feel like Jane Austen's head over it. Yeah. That's actually a pretty funny idea. <laughs> anyway, but I think one of the things the movie does well is it does make me like Emma. Mm -hmm. And also the story in Emma is about her growing as a, as a person, essentially. You know, she is a smart character and she does have a lot of sense as one of the other characters say but she does misapply that sense to a lot of different situations because she is kind of naive about the way the world works well one of the her main pursuits in this movie is to get her friend harriet set up with a suitable match mm -hmm. the thing about harriet is Nobody knows who her parents are, including Harriet herself. And Emma has it in her head that Harriet is the secret daughter of a gentleman, like that she is part of high society, um, even if she doesn't know it yet. And so when a farmer proposes to her, Emma discourages Harriet from accepting the proposal, even though Harriet really loves this farmer, Robert Martin. And so then Emma tries to set Harriet up with uh, the pastor, Mr. Elton. Mr. Elton. Oh, he looks like a rat. He does look very creepy uh, in the movie. Uh, it's a lot of the the way he's dressed. The, I will say that the interesting thing about this movie is a lot of the men are not dressed in a very flattering way. Um, I feel like it's probably period accurate. I watched this but... movie with my sister over Christ, uh, the Christmas break. And whenever it comes to a lot of the men and like a lot of the women, the, a lot of the men that Emma is mm -hmm. drawn are drawn to, <laughs> she just hated them. She hated the, lo <laughs> the look of all the English men in this movie. There were no, there was no one that was appealing to look at in my sister's point of view. <laughs> the men were looking pretty rough in there. Uh, what do you call them? Like mutton chops? I mean, when like, the yeah, sideburn the sideburns that are just like eating his cheeks. <laughs> the sideburns that don't stop. <laughs> um, they don't I think those are called mutton chops. Yeah, that was, I'm sure, the look of the time, and it was not a good look. It should not come back. <laughs> um, anyway, but what I was saying, things with Mr. Elton don't go well. Emma is finds out that Mr. Elton has feelings for her, and her reaction is basically gross. <laughs> and the encouragement I receive. Encouragement? I give you encouragement. You're entirely mistaken, sir. As if. Yes. That was a quote from Cher from Clueless. And so then Harriet is like a little upset, but Emma, you know, gets Harriet through it because, you know, Mr. Elton sucked anyway. Um, and then Harriet ends up having, and then this is where a lot of things come to a head at the end, is Harriet ends up having feelings for Mr. Knightley because Mr. Knightley showed her great kindness at a ball. Uh, when Mr. Elton refused to dance with Harriet, Mr. Knightley asked her. Uh, and so she interpreted that as he has feelings for her, whereas, you know, he's just a very kind man. Meanwhile, Emma and Mr. Knightley are starting to realize that they have feelings for each other, and they have known each other for a long time. Mr. Knightley is her... So her older sister got married to a man, and Mr. Knightley is that man's brother, so... Uh, Mr. Knightley is her brother-in-law's brother. Anyway, so they had known each other for a long time. Mr. Knightley loves to come over to the house, hang out with Mr. Woodhouse, Emma's dad. Um, and they were just friends, but now there's something more. <laughs> 
Now, I, I'm not a reader, uh, Mrs. Miss Crunk. I do not know a lot about Jane Austen. Mm-hmm. What other works has she worked on? Or what has she created? What has she unearthed? Oh, she wrote, of course, Pride and Prejudice, mm-hmm. Sense and Sensibility, uh, Emma. She did A Persuasion, which is getting an adaptation soon. I've heard that's in the work with the lady who plays Shiv in Succession. What are like the common themes that Jane Austen like has in her stories? Because based on Emma, like being the only Mm -hmm. thing that I'm familiar with, I haven't read any of her other books and I haven't seen Pride and Prejudice, any adaptation of it. But it seems like she has a lot of... I'm going to say situational comedy based on Mm -hmm. Emma because it's done very, very well. It reminds me a lot Mm -hmm. of sitcom writing where it's like a lot of the situations between all of these characters can be fixed through a simple conversation and questioning. Um, Is that something that happens a lot in Jane Austen's work? Yeah, but I feel like it's not normally played for comedy. In a lot of her novels, there usually is a misunderstanding of some kind, but normally that's almost played for drama. Similarly, there's also a lot of like, someone is rude to someone, and then that's also played for drama. Whereas in Emma, I feel like a lot of the misunderstandings are played for comedic effect, Mm -hmm. Um, especially in this adaptation. Uh, There are some moments that are dramatic, but like towards the end where Mr. Knightley proposes to Emma and it feels very dramatic because Emma doesn't know what to say and you think she's just going to be silent because Harriet loves... Harriet, or Harriet is in love with Mr. Knightley now, and so she doesn't want to say anything. Instead, she gets a nosebleed and ends up just telling him everything. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, things get worked out that way. And I feel like, you know, in Pride and Prejudice, especially, there is... the One of the big misunderstandings in Pride and Prejudice is Mr. Darcy mm-hmm. is friends with this other guy who... I His name I'm forgetting. But this other guy <laughs> is interested in Jane Bennett, who is Elizabeth Bennett, the main character's older sister. And... Mr. Darcy tells his friend, like, you shouldn't propose to her, you shouldn't be with her, because she clearly doesn't like you. And, but Jane does, doesn't just like him, she loves him. And so there's this huge, like, misunderstanding, and it, but it's very sad, like, it's a very sad situation, because these women are, they're completely at the mercy of whoever they marry, essentially. Like, their whole livelihood is dependent on who they marry, and that was the um, cause they can't have jobs, they can't own property, they just have to marry well so that they can be okay. Um, and it's really rough. And so, of course, Elizabeth is in love with Mr. Darcy, but then she, now she hates Mr. Darcy because of what he it did. It sounds so dramatic. It is very dramatic, but it's also great. Like, I love Pride and Prejudice. Love the 2005 adaptation. Um, the miniseries back in the day is also really good. Um, I also love Sense and Sensibility as well. Um, Didn't somebody direct Sense and Sensibility? Ang Lee directed Sense and Sensibility. I love Ang Lee. And the screenplay was actually written by Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson, Thompson, and she won an Oscar for it. And she stars in it as well uh, for Sense and Sensibility. So I think with a lot of Jane Austen, you know... It is hard. I feel like it's probably difficult to make a bad adaptation because you're working really? with such great material. I've personally not seen one that I think is bad. I'm, there are other adaptations of. I mean, you've work. seen Pride and Pre. Have you seen Pride and Prejudice versus Zombies? That is a um, adaptation of a novel written by somebody else. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but I'm yes. sure it's fun. <laughs> I wanted. I've to never see it. seen it. I just saw it advertised. The book is written by the same guy who wrote Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Oh, yeah, that tracks. That totally tracks. I I read that book, and I actually love 
the book Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Um, and then I saw the movie and I was so disappointed in the movie. The movie was one of, I saw it on my birthday. Probably like the Ooh. worst movie I've ever seen on my birthday. Although there were some great scenes like where he has that axe that turns into a gun. Brilliant. I when love he's how... run, chasing the vampire like, <laughs> while running on the field of horses. Like they're hopping on top of horses. I love that Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter and Lincoln, the one with Daniel uh-huh. Day-Lewis, came out in the same year. So it like 2012 was mm-hmm. just the year of Lincoln, apparently. <laughs> you can learn a lot of actual history by reading Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Oh, I'm sure you could. Just like you can learn the basics, basic plot of Pride and Prejudice by watching Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, I'm sure. Yeah. So, like, nothing but great things come out of Jane Austen is what you are trying to say. I mean, I don't want to commit to that because I've not seen all the adaptations of her work, but it's sort of like, that's kind of how I feel about it. But then I also think of, like, the Avatar The Last Airbender movie, Mm -hmm. you know, where it's like they were working from great material and then they made a horrible film. So I don't want to, you know, fully commit (laughs) to that concept. Uh, but but Emma, just... Emma is a wonderful case. Emma is a delightful, I'm sure it's a faithful adaptation of its source material. It is pretty loyal, yeah. And so it, it's very, very good. It is really good. Um, and I think one of the reasons I wanted to talk about it for this episode, for Valentine's Day, not just because it was a movie that came out in 2020, but also because I think it's a movie that is perfect for people who like romance mm-hmm. and also people who don't like romance. Because I feel like the, uh, in the movie, the treatment of like love and romance through the first like three quarters of the film is very cynical and also almost very practical, which is fitting of the times. But then towards the end, there is a lot of like actual romance that I think is very sweet and that you really feel. Yeah, it's totally. not It's not the like rain scene in, uh, in 2005 Pride and Prejudice, but it's still very sweet. I thought you were going to say the rain scene from 2005's Fifty First Dates. Fifty First Dates is also a great film. Um, did not come out in 2020, but if you're looking for a great rom-com to watch this weekend, may, is... I, may I recommend Fifty First Dates, a movie that would be totally perfect if they found a way to completely edit out Rob Schneider's character from the film. <laughs> oh, Ula? Yeah. Yeah, he hasn't aged very well. That is a problematic character. People like to say that the gold standard for rom-coms are like Nancy Myers or Nora Ephron films when we have been overlooking Fifty First Dates, like, uh, frankly, for the past like two decades. Is the core idea kind of problematic? That this woman forgets everything every day and this man like falls like gets her to fall in love with him anyway and then that man is adam sandler sure i can see why people have a problem with that but, but somehow, he's so likable yeah and some, so is drew barrymore somehow they have such amazing chemistry in that movie <laughs> that i'm rooting for it and i actually think it's really sweet yeah i also weirdly enjoy like sean astin's character like whatever oh, her he brother is going on. like yeah <laughs> who got kicked out of like a sports tournament for steroids yes i love that he has his own thing going on <laughs> even if it's weird i feel like the thing about 50 first dates is i feel like it could have been written as a drama no like there's a great scene um Uh especially whenever um drew barrymore's family starts to like warm up to adam sandler like forming some sort of relationship yeah and he really has a moment where he brings them down and says something like aren't you afraid one day whenever she's gonna wake up and she's going to look like an old woman yeah and then her dad says you know something henry I, I'm scared of that every goddamn day of my life. And it's just... It's heavy. Yeah, the whole movie has been like a laugh fest um, yeah. <laughs> prior to that. And that's like a great 
a it, great catalyst for like an emotional core. It is like that moment in particular is you really feel it, I guess. But what I was also where I was going with my other point was just like, I feel like if it was a drama, you'd have the dad and the brothers being kind of like boring characters who don't really have their own thing going on besides like helping her. Mm hmm. But, like, that brother is a fully formed man. <laughs> he Wearing wears, see like... through see, see through. Also, Sean has, Sean has is pretty ripped in that. Like, yeah, he's on roids or whatever. But was that mid-Lord of the Rings or just post-Lord of the Rings? It was... Uh, um, it was post because I think they finished filming Lord of the Rings in yeah. like the year 2001. Oh, okay. <laughs> but while we're on the subject of comedic actors, I think one of my final things that I want to say about Emma is that you said this earlier mm -hmm. that the acting roster in this is so spectacular. You have actors like Anya mm -hmm. Taylor-Joy, who was great this past year in The Queen's Gambit, mm -hmm. but the real star for me, or one of the highlights in the cast, is Bill Nye playing yes. Emma's father. Fully agree, yeah. He He's great in most everything he is, Bill Nye the actor, mm -hmm. but he has such a warmness and delightfulness to the father who gets very cold easily. <laughs> Yeah, Mr. Woodhouse is such a fun character uh, in this adaptation. He is Emma's father. He is played by Bill Nye, making him a lot older than I think the character would be in the book. But I'm not upset. I'm not upset at all because he is so funny in the role. He plays like a very hypochondriac character who's always afraid of getting sick, always afraid other people are getting sick. Every time he feels a slight chill, his little servants will bring over a screen to put in front of him. And then he will sometimes end up with like three screens in front of him. And that's one of the funniest shots in the movie for me is when Knightley and Emma are arguing and they walk through Emma's house, like through the drawing room where Mr. Woodhouse is. And Mr. Woodhouse is just completely boxed in by these screens. <laughs> oh, so funny. And then also I think it's funny is when we're introduced to Emma's older sister, who's gotten married several years before. Um, and she's also a hypochondriac, like her yes. father. Uh, but also her father is so against like Emma getting married because, I mean, I think he just loves his daughter and he doesn't want her to go away. And that's what he says, like when Isabella leaves, uh, mm -hmm. after visiting for a while, it's like, I wish she wouldn't leave. Um, and so he's also does bring a lot of like warmth to this role that, you know, it's a very <laughs> funny man, but it's also like, you can really feel like he's also very lonely and I don't know, very sweet. Yeah. Oh, nice performance. Nice performance. Yeah, there are a lot of like British, young British character actors in there. So one of the servants in Emma who has no lines throughout the movie is played by an actor who plays Fleabag, who is in the show Fleabag. He plays Fleabag's sister's weird stepson. Her sister has like this very clingy, weird stepson who is very distinct, a very distinct character. So when we were watching this for the first time and I saw him on screen, I was like, who is that? Who is, where is this kid from? <laughs> um, and that is what he is from. And so I just thought that was a fun little thing. Um, great movie. I love it. Do you have any other final thoughts on Emma? You know, I was looking through like letterbox reviews and a lot of people just don't like it as much as I do, but mm -hmm. they don't really give a specific reason as to why necessarily. Um, they people are like, oh, this is just okay. And I just don't get it because when I watch it, I'm like, this is like the set decoration is beautiful. The costumes are beautiful. The music, we haven't talked yeah, about the music. The music is the score throughout this whole movie is gorgeous. It's funny on top of that. And doing comedy is a lot harder than doing drama, like doing good comedy. Everything feels very precise and controlled um, with the way it was made and staged and blocked. Um, 
I think it's just a beautifully made movie that is very entertaining and funny also. So I uh, would recommend. We recently talked about the Golden Globes and I was mm -hmm. very surprised. I didn't bring this up in that video, mm -hmm. but now that I think about it, rewatching Emma this time, I am shocked that this movie did not get nominated for gonna... Best Picture um, for a comedy or musical. Mm -hmm. Like you have nominations like Borat, Palm Springs, Music, mm, Hamilton, yeah. and The Prom. And I feel like you could have easily taken out either Hamilton or The Prom in order to put Emma here. I mean, Anya Taylor-Joy's nominated for a Golden Globe for mm -hmm. Best Actress in a Comedy. So it it's very odd to me. It's very yeah. odd why this was singled out. Maybe because it was released in February and there was, was just a, long time ago. a huge gap that a lot of people may have forgotten about it or mm -hmm. just slipped through certain cracks that would make me very sad because if this ends up becoming like an underlooked underrated movie mm -hmm. i think that emma deserves much more than that yeah. it's a it's a wonderful film it was definitely better than the prom yeah and absolutely you I haven't mean, even seen the prom and I you know mean, this I, I know it's better also i mean again i also have not uh i mean i've seen hamilton but we've already discussed it a million times so i won't go over it but hamilton's not a movie it is a film play um it was, anyway but i do think that when the oscar season comes around it will probably you know maybe it won't be in the best picture category but it'll probably get like production design nominations costume design costumes um, I think it'll get a little more love at the Oscars, actually, because they have more categories for more niche parts of filmmaking. Yeah, I could, I could definitely see it being in either of those. But yeah, also, I would love to mention about Emma. Is that this is the last movie we watched in a movie theater? Yeah, it was. I got a little emotional watching the credits because I do vividly remember the movie Emma ending and mm -hmm. then, you know, sitting in the theater, the lights coming up and us walking out while that ending song played in the credits. And yeah, that was the last movie we saw in a theater. As of now, who knows, maybe, maybe one day we'll be back. But for now... So if you love Jane Austen adaptations or you just like laughing... Might I recommend to you, Emma, a great film that was beautifully crafted. If you are looking for the perfect thing to watch this Valentine's Day 2021, <laughs> why not hop onto your HBO Max account and watch this nice little gem of a movie? It's mm -hmm. got everything you're looking for if you're into romance, if you're not into romance, or if you're just looking for a nice little time. I literally have nothing bad to say about it. Hmm. Which some movies I have things to criticize even if I like them. And I just like this movie so much I have nothing bad to say about it. I will say some parts, because this might be my fourth time rewatching Emma. Mm -hmm. The ending kind of drags for me. I mean, uh, just that little scene between the confrontation and mm -hmm. the forgiveness of Emma. That scene for some reason dragged. And a lot of the scene flows very, very nicely. Mm -hmm. It's a shame that this movie does not include the iconic clueless line, you're a virgin who can't drive. <laughs> because I think that really would have elevated Harriet's character if she got to mm -hmm. say that to Emma's face. I think the character of Ty and Clueless is very different from the character of Harriet in uh, 2020's Emma. 2020's Emma, or Harriet, in 2020 is a very naive girl mm -hmm. 
She, at one point, one of the characters describes her as a simpleton, which feels very mean, <laughs> but she does kind of have this very childlike naivety about her. Wide-eyed innocence. Yeah, we'll listen to what anybody says about anything. And she's very sweet, though. Very sweet character, but yeah. <laughs> also, real quick, one of my favorite scenes in this is when Emma gets totally schooled by Miss Fairfax with the piano <laughs> scene. Man, do I just love that scene, because Emma's kind of acting pompous and whatnot, trying to play on this piano, playing a very simple song, and then Miss <laughs> Fairfax, who's been talked about for a good amount of time before the movie, just schools her <laughs> so much by playing this complex, like, Beethoven-esque number. Yep, Emma is a very... she's a character that's, you know, sometimes selfish, sometimes kind of shallow, but, all, but more than that, she's a character who has kind of a big head. <laughs> and so that is a very fun moment. So yeah, this would be... If you're looking for something to watch on Valentine's Day, look no further. Great film. But also, let's give some other recommendations real quick. Okay. Um, other movies that we've talked about, like After We Collided. <laughs> That's a romantic film. You could also turn to Holiday, which is very... Spends a good five minutes, I'm sure, with the Valentine's Day holiday. That's the scene in Holiday where she goes to the mall. And, and they she... eat chocolate in the car and she thinks... Or, you think they're doing sex things and it's just it's a weird joke weird movie <laughs> a movie i watched on netflix that i'm pretty sure came out in 2020 uh was love guaranteed um i watched this one on my phone and it made me mad so i feel like, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like movies that make you mad <laughs> that are supposed to be romantic then. oh wait okay so can you please tell me the scene in love guaranteed that you you're like uh you paused it and you showed it to me when yeah so love guaranteed is about a lawyer um who has a client who hires her because he wants to sue this app called Love Guaranteed, which is like, we will guarantee that you will fall in love if you go on a thousand dates. And he has been on a thousand dates and still has not fallen in love. So when towards the end when they're at the trial, there's this one woman on the stand who's like a witness for online dating or whatever. <laughs> she says, well, online dating can be really hard. It's really hard to meet a guy. Am I right, ladies? <laughs> And it is so am I Am I right, like, am I right, guys, or am I right, ladies, is always funny to me, no matter the context. Yeah, it is always funny. I don't know. I was, But the thing is, I was laughing more at the movie than I was with the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, the movie's just very infuriating, though. We'll uh, have to talk about Love Guaranteed eventually. I just, that's one of those movies that it's like, it wasn't so bad that it was fun. It was just like a slog to get through. <laughs> I mean, what better place to like vent about movies than this? So we mentioned After We Collided, Holiday, uh, Love Guaranteed. Love guaranteed. Uh, I mean, I've never watched any of the, like, To All the Boys I've Loved before. I'm movies, sure those, but are... those are. I've heard those are good. Did Noah Centineo make a movie uh, in 2020? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he did. <laughs> the Plague that is Noah Centineo. <laughs> oh my goodness. Don't be mean to Noah. I don't. Ask not what your cut. No, what does he say? Oh my god. Um, okay, whenever he won a Teen Choice Award, yeah. he or no, it was either a Teen Choice Award or an MTV Award, and he was like making some sort of speech. And at the end, I think he was trying to be deep or whatever. Mm -hmm. But he like looked into the camera and said, "And before I go, I just want to say it matters. It matters not 
what you've done, but what you do with what you've done for others. You say it matters not what you've done, but what you do with what you've done for others. Thank you. And you can just hear the audience yeah. like confused, clapping like, and then, oh, he, then, okay. he sticks his, then he sticks his tongue out. Oh, yeah. And it's so funny. So your Valentine's Day lineup, Emma, 51st dates to all the boys I've loved before. Holiday, love guaranteed. Did you say after we collided? After we collided. Also, just watch both after movies. Honestly, yeah, just do that. Double feature those. There, it, it features a very toxic relationship, but you know... In a way, they're the purest movies to watch for Valentine's Day because it's just about a romance, you know? Exactly. It's Tessa not... and Harden are just two two mm -hmm. lovers. There's no plot outside of their romance. <laughs> that is the plot. And I I like movies like that, actually. That's kind of what Twilight is also. Twilight is... Okay. Mo um... Twilight is mostly just a romance. And, like, the little bits of other plot that she tries to weave in don't always quite work like you know it's mostly about her and edward being in love and he's a vampire it isn't until the end when the other vampires show up that's like uh oh i don't know that's a submissive black hole right did i get the name correct Submissive black hole. Suggestion black hole. No, supermassive <laughs> black hole. Oh man. There have been other other songs. Um, Bella's lullaby. Dun, 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 Ooh, dun, I learned dun, to play dun. part of that on the piano. Um, how old were you? When? When you learned how to play Bella's lullaby on the piano. That was like a month ago. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I assume this was like a middle school Casey thing. No, I didn't really pay attention to movie scores back then. Honestly, if I'm being honest, even today, when I watch a movie for the first time, the score is not the first thing I notice usually. it's I only notice them on rewatches, and I feel bad about that, but I don't know. You know what I say to that, Casey? <laughs> <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day, everybody.